daddy. Pee -pee? <laughs> Please don't call me what? pee pee. <laughs> Patty's Pop fine. Patty <laughs> Miss popcorn. popcorn. Miss popcorn. <laughs> With butter. Doing? I'm great. How are you? Pretty good. Um, I'm feeling pretty good, except to record our podcast, we have to turn the AC off, and it's starting <laughs> Already. To get here. Already it's hot. I Plus, know. my hands get sweaty, like, right out of the gate. <laughs> okay. All right. So, this is our uh, first episode if you are tuning in, this is Old Dirty Benches, um, or better known as Bitches, because <laughs> that's how we like to think of ourselves. Uh, Bad bitches. <laughs> uh, we are going to be discussing white collar crime, um, and then on, on the off week, we're going to be uh, doing movie, re movie reviews or like a movie corner, etc., um, we want our podcast to kind of be lighthearted and humorous, uh, discussions regarding crimes of the powerful, white collar crime. Um, I had been asked the question earlier by, uh, my son Jello, uh, what is white collar crime? So I like to explain it as, uh, it's typically orchestrated by those in occupational positions that give them an opportunity. Crimes include insider trading, fraud, tax evasion, bribery, price fixing, and of course, corruption. We will discuss real cases, uh, related articles to those cases, maybe other podcasts, documentaries, movies uh, that are related to the crime. Um, there are white collar crime and blue collar crime. Blue collar are, are typically uh, all the regular people. <laughs> essentially, um, that do uh, things like robbery, theft ID, um, some of your violent crimes like assault, uh, murder, etc. White collar is uh, people often that wear suits or work in offices that are embezzling money or just, uh, I don't know, charging it on company credit cards or something. Who knows? Uh, anyways, that's basically the breakdown for those types of crimes. We also like to discuss uh, different movies or uh, television series that we're watching. Um, I'll let my uh, friend Miss Popcorn over here explain that. Uh-oh. <laughs> what am I explaining exactly? <laughs> Why well, we like, decided we also wanted to throw in the movie reviews, etc. Oh. Well, to me, because that's like how we became friends, <laughs> was, yeah, was our opposite views of movies and uh, basically how you look at things totally different from me and can oftentimes make me like it better. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I can't wait for you to see old and tell me <laughs> if you like it. <laughs> I know we're going tonight. Um, we're supposed to be going uh, after my spouse gets off of work, and then we're gonna head to the theaters to go check it out. And I should have that uh, we have a peanut gallery in the background. Um, who also uh, told me this morning that he thought my voice was nasally, and I said thank you. All right. I was like I didn't know I sounded well, like that. No one likes the sound of their voice, Jello. So. <laughs> Like Thanks. <laughs> okay, you're the uh, 
whatever. What's it called? Exception to the rule. <laughs> Exception to the rule. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, my name is JD. Uh, I'm going by a pseudonym. Uh, I'll probably say that that stands for Jules Donuts. Uh, I like to think of myself as a criminologist. I do work in the criminal justice field. I'll leave it at that. And um, I kind of want to go off on a tangent before we get on to our crime here. Uh, Jello brought this to my attention. Apparently, now that Bill Cosby has been vindicated, he's decided that he wants to do a comeback to her. Yeah. Great. I know, right? I've, I don't know. When Jello told me that, I had to look it up. And then I was like, <laughs> You're right. it's, it's true. true. <laughs> Of course, it's infuriating. It has to be true. Uh, so he's already working on a five-part docuseries and a book. I will not be watching that one, <laughs> nor reading the book. Uh, his publicist has said that they've contacted multiple comedy clubs, um, and this is an article on The Cut, uh, who are open to the idea of Cosby performing. So he's... Um, looking to do motivational talks in prisons and schools. He was doing that when he was what? in prison. Okay, yeah. in prison, whatever. Right. I mean, I, personally, if I was in prison, I don't think I'd be sitting there listening to the Pudding Pop Man. Telling to... you how to be a better person. <laughs> like, the irony does not get any better. Uh. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. He's also going to be traveling to schools across the country oh, and focusing on being a better citizen and curbing violence. And I told my son I would make sure to call the school and let them know that you would not be coming in that day, nor would you be coming back for any amount of But don't you think, time. okay, so he schedules these tours, and I, I doubt many people are going to go and then it'll just fizzle away that's what i think i basically said i feel like i'd want to buy i don't even know if i buy a ticket but i'd want to go there to go throw garbage at him <laughs> at the very least nope um, disagree jules donut <laughs> you <laughs> are too nice <laughs> that's why you just have to not buy the ticket and then he'll go away once he's not making any money and he doesn't have any oxygen from this. He'll go away. It's, and how old is this dude? 83 or something? Uh, yeah, it's something like that. Um, I just can't. I don't know. I, I think it's gross. Yeah, it's disgusting. I mean, he admitted to um, drugging multiple women right. and then basically raping them yeah. so but he gets off on a technicality and then says i was vindicated <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh god. god yeah uh and then everybody the school else thing is, just... is especially gross but yeah i don't why would you let him come into the school to even talk about that yeah hopefully They're, they won't they no way but Anyways, um, yeah, I wanted to get that off my chest a little bit. Not white collar crime, is it? <laughs> <laughs> what is roofing people? <laughs> That's called sexual That's just, Yeah, predator. <laughs> Predatory. I know. I, I don't know why. I just, like, wanted to bring that up real quick. It just infuriated me, um, especially knowing that he could potentially add schools to his tour. I was like, I don't think so. Anyways, okay. 
So, yeah, I know it's it's getting a little warm in here, right? <laughs> I'm already sweating. I'm sorry. I apologize. For, I apologize. At least the dog isn't barking, though. Can we say that? That's true. Yeah, she's uh, she's being a good girl. I'm trying. Okay, so um, as we had mentioned, we're going to be talking about Enron. Um, this. Uh, basically, the implosion of that company happened in 2001. So if you were born any time after that, then you probably are not as familiar as my son Jello uh, had to be um, reminded earlier uh, who this company was and what ended up happening. We kind of talked about the crime itself or many crimes that they committed um, during their tenure while they were in business. Um, so... I kind of want to bring up some of the stuff that I watched and some of the articles that I read to point that out. And then I also don't know, did we do a shout out for intro music? Mm-mm. Okay, we accidentally forgot about that. We so, have, we're riled up for Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, a good company is allowing us to use their music for our intro. Um, so we want to give them a quick shout out. Uh, the title of the song is Don't Look Now. Um, they're amazing. Um, and, you know, we want to let them know that we're thanking them for allowing us to use the music. Okay. So, going back to the documentaries. I know you had mentioned you watch Enron, The Smartest Guys in the Room. Right. I did as well. Um, Can I also just start by saying that I really didn't know the whole Enron thing. Oh, really? When I watch things like this, and almost every time I watch um, Michael Moore movies, I'm like, (laughs) have I been sleeping this whole time? (laughs) Like, a lot of it, I have no idea what even happened. I mean, of course, I heard of Enron, but I didn't really know what it was. And so the whole, I was just getting madder and madder the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get into more of like, some of the stuff that I did not know, which is kind of like the Bush stuff and, you know. Even Reagan. Yeah, Reagan, um, part of that whole thing. Um, So I would just like to put it out there for people that don't feel bad if you don't know about these things. Like, go look it up. Yeah. Because we're not trying to be superior by any means. Like I openly am saying I didn't know (laughs) anything like the specifics of it at all. And it's, it's shocking the things that people get away with. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. uh, That's one of the reasons why I've always um, wanted to talk about white collar crime, because it's infuriating to me that they're not prosecuted right. just as harshly as everybody else. Right. I think it's unfair. Um, it makes me mad that a lot of times they get a slap on the wrist. If they, even. If even that. Um, and then they get to keep most of the money that they somehow stole from everybody else. Yeah. Uh, it's just disgusting. So, and um, the people who are left holding the bag are the employees that had no, no bad intentions at all. Exactly. They thought they were working for a good company, for people who believed in the work, uh, especially in Enron's case. They mm-hmm. were uh, nationally, internationally recognized. And, um, you know, people left legit jobs to go work for them only to find out that they were working for crooks. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, they're just one example of many that are out there. 
sometimes people just get fired um, and then they walk away from and they go work somewhere else. So uh, the other one that I watched was the Crooked E, which is like a made for TV soap opera movie. <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> I didn't see that one. <laughs> Which apparently Enron, that's what a lot of people refer to them as, was the Crooked E afterwards, which Hmm. I really liked. I thought thought that's kind of funny. I also watched Mugshots. They did a a quick um, overview of their crimes. Cold Fusion on YouTube, uh, The Biggest Fraud in History, also has a little documentary Mm -hmm. on them. I think there's a two-part series on it. Uh, As uh, Miss Popcorn has mentioned, we're by no means experts. (laughs) We're not even pretending to be experts. We just like to uh, talk. We hardly know what we're doing on the podcast itself. Yeah. I just know how to click Is this record. working? Is it recording? <laughs> then we're doing good. Um, a lot of this stuff I have to look up. So uh, like special vehicle entities or however they call them. Um, I had to look that stuff up to familiarize myself with it because I wasn't sure exactly what it meant. Mm-hmm. And then I had to like come up with my own example of what I thought it was mm-hmm. to try to explain it to myself and then um, hopefully explain it to our listeners. Uh, people like uh, maybe Kim. Kim knows. <laughs> Kim shout out. But... <laughs> But um, like my kids, yeah, they won't kids. know. Maybe Austin, but I don't think the others would know. Yeah. Uh, so Investopedia helped me. Britannica. Uh-huh. Um, Chicago Tribune. They did a good article. Um, uh, let's see. What else? Um, Houston Chronicle, because, of course, it was based in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, NPR. Uh, I don't want to say Reuters. Is that how you say uh-huh, it? Okay. It is. I think so. <laughs> That's how I say it. <laughs> Business Insider. Um, don't bring the negativity raid if I if I mispronounced <laughs> yeah. it. And I don't want to take uh, credit for that phrase because uh, Miss Popcorn came up with it. <clears throat> I just love it so much I want to start using it <laughs> because I think it's awesome. Trademark. That's <laughs> a dollar. Can we copyright that now? Yep. Okay. I'll I'll work on that. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how to do it, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'll give a little bit of breakdown um on how they first started, which was uh initially created by Kenneth Lay. And I kind of want to just talk a little bit about Kenneth Lay. So Ken Lay uh grew up, his dad was a preacher, and he actually had his PhD, and he started working at the Pentagon as a financial advisor. Originally, there's some flags right there <laughs> out of the gate. <laughs> I mean, apparently, from what I was reading on him, he uh, always knew that he wanted to do something big with his life. Uh, and um, it's interesting if you look on YouTube, the staff meeting when stuff is starting to happen, the investigation and stuff is ongoing. He kind of reminded me of uh, my grandpa, who was also a preacher, the way he would stand at the pulpit and deliver his sermons. Uh, he's charismatic like mm-hmm. that. So I could see. And he was smart, too. Extremely smart. Mm-hmm. Um, he was able to stay under and the radar. Slippery. Deniability. Um, you know, uh, again, charismatic. He can motivate, influence people. Um, you know, he knew how to. Uh, get people to do the things that he needed them to do mm-hmm. and, and not really ask too many questions exactly and he looked for specific types of people to mm-hmm. come and work at his company 
So he... Um, <laughs> I think they're called Yes Men. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Trademark. <laughs> I was going to say, or uh, Crooks. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> if you can find you some people of, of ill repute. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was kind of reading that before he uh, founded Enron, he had a, a previous scandal, the Valhalla scandal, mm-hmm. um, where they had two uh, staff members that were uh, basically, you know, moving money around to bad accounting fraud there. And he denied knowing anything about it in that particular instance. And those two people went to prison. So he remained untouched. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. So he's like, I've cracked the code. (laughs) (laughs) I just need to blame it on some other people. We need to go bigger. Bigger is always better. Right. Uh, Then what was funny, too, is like those accounts that they were hiding the money were they had written it out in a way where um, if you had it put it together it was basically called my ass yeah <laughs> which made me laugh a little bit this is not funny this is serious <laughs> but you i was got, like gotta keep your sense of humor <laughs> uh, i saw that and i was like if you're uh an accounting auditor and you see that you have to be like Assholes. the feds were like i think we got something is <laughs> <laughs> in my ass <laughs> Um, Okay, so then Enron was founded in 1985 uh, by Kenneth Lay in a merger of two natural gas transmission companies, Houston Natural Gas Corporation and InterNorth. They merged, were renamed to Enron in 1986. And uh, this happened after the U.S. had adopted a series of laws to deregulate the sale of natural gas in the early 1990s. I know, like Reagan's name was written all over this thing. I was like, there you go, Reagan. Uh, He was like in the pockets of all of these huge companies at the time. He had donated to his campaign and he just basically was a little puppet. And yeah, he was like, we need more deregulation. And he was going across the country preaching that the whole time. So the company lost its exclusive right to operate its pipelines. Um, Shortly thereafter... Because he lost two of his crooks in the previous scandal to prison, he decides I need to. Have I need five. more crooks. <laughs> <laughs> and I this need- was before Indeed, so it was harder <laughs> to find <know>. them <laughs> on the back sheets of the internet. I need somebody slippery who knows. I how need to- a fall guy. You win. <laughs> Along comes Jeffrey Skilling, who he hires um, as a consultant originally, but then uh, gets named as the company's chief operating officer and then uh, eventually as a CEO, too, of the company. So he was instrumental in transforming it into uh, a trader of energy contracts. They sort of acted as an intermediary between natural gas produce- producers and their customers, which I kind of took as like uh, they were kind of like the Walmart of natural energy. Right. Um, so there was all these companies that actually produced the energy and then they were kind of in the middle, um, basically like. They have the energy on the shelves and they're selling it to you at a certain price so that they can get profit. 
Um, but weren't they like kind of leveraging what prices might do? Yep, yep. They did so a lot like, of that. In fantasy land, <laughs> it's gonna cost this much. So we should be able to make this much. It was very Yes, that's exactly what they did. Um a huge example of that was when they did their whole project in California. And so a lot of people were on big, strike out big there. Big success. Yeah. Rolling blackouts. <laughs> <laughs> Um, supposedly what they were, were supposed to be doing at the beginning was actually, uh, their selling prices were supposed to be fixed. But then I think they started realizing, no, we can make real money by fluctuating. Right. So Um, sort of like surge pricing. Yep. Mm -hmm. But for power. Yep. And they negotiated their contracts using a fee model. So they also made profits that way. Uh, but. Because of Skilling's leadership, they basically soon dominated the market for natural gas contracts and were like the sole vendor at that point. Which is but, always good when oh, it's one. Yeah. That's, that always works out in everyone's dominating. favor. <laughs> dominating everybody else. Oh, Lord. Uh, they were generating huge profits. Um, and then, of course, uh, what do you do? Huge, when- like. Like never before seen profits. Yeah. Like, uh, and no losses, ironically, <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah. It's a huge shell game. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, uh, that's basically what this company was. Um, a shell company. Just moving stuff from bucket to bucket and skimming and lying to people. Yep. Yeah. Um, and of course, what they needed to do also so they could continue to um, bring in money right into their shell was hire more snakes. Um, Again, <laughs> crooks. <laughs> Jeffrey Skilly set out to uh, hiring college grads um, that included Andrew Fastow, who becomes a major, major player in this whole thing. F for Fall Guy. <laughs> <laughs> for Fall Guy. <laughs> He does, man. They end up having him fall on the sword hard. Uh, His job was to focus on closing as many cash-generating trades as possible as quickly as possible. So uh, what was interesting to me, too, was... So they hire all these college grads. You come in. It's super aggressive. Uh, They have what's called a peer review evaluation system. Um, which was kind of new at that time. I, yeah, when I started hearing this and like listening to what they were doing and, uh, they go over it in depth on the Crooked E, which is like a soap opera movie, but, but it's, you know, kind of gives right. you a little bit of insight. I'm in. It's like Lifetime, but, <laughs> yeah, en- like Enron. Lifetime, but Enron. Um, <laughs> so they would grade each other. So like basically I could grade your, your evaluation on your work on a scale of one to five. Um, I believe five being the worst and one being really good. Okay. So it all depended on the amount of cells you could come like rake in. Uh, I f- <laughs> because I'm a nice person, I feel like I would have been fired already. <laughs> right. In the interview You would process. never have been there. No. You don't have that. Maybe as a fall guy, but... <laughs> They hired me like right when everything was imploding. They're like, hey, just sit over here. We're going to need you eventually. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're going to be warming the benches. (laughs) And then we're going to. Yeah. Like right now when we're doing. Do you know how to work a shredder? That's going to come in. (laughs) 
to be very important. Um, all right. So <laughs> basically, FastSAL oversees all the financial aspects um, of a lot of the departments. Um, the bull market's happening. Enron starts dabbling in a little bit of everything. Electricity, coal, paper, still, the weather. Uh, they were literally gambling on um, essentially like how hot it was going to be that day, which blew my mind when I heard that yeah. because I hadn't known that I at didn't, the time. I didn't know any of this. <laughs> 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 oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I thought that Again, was crazy. I think I was sleeping during these years, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh one of the things too that they ended up trying to do which was happening during the dot-com so they were trying to launch their enron online and investing in a telecommunications network mm -hmm. uh they had a big contract and deal with blockbuster so they were essentially trying to do some sort of streaming platform uh, like it would have been with Netflix. Right, they kind of wanted to do Netflix yeah. way before Netflix. Before Netflix happened, but, but the technology happened. wasn't there. Mm -hmm. um, so it, Yeah, we were still be kind, be rhyme. <laughs> Going into Hollywood video. Yeah. Where they had like, I remember when they first started, uh, like only a few copies of the movie yeah. out, and then they realized there was a huge demand, and then you'd go in there and there'd be like 15 copies. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, one of my favorite jobs, dude, working at a video store. Did you work there? Yes. Oh, dude, I didn't I know that. did. That's awesome. And here was my favorite story. <laughs> this was just a typical thing that would happen to me working at the video store. Enter a customer. Um, do you have the movie with that guy from that show? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you do? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. What? <laughs> what show? Yeah, exactly. Oh that was God. verbatim what I, the clues I would get. I might have been one of those customers. <laughs> <laughs> there were many. You know that movie that just came out with... And uh, a lot of times they would be asking for a movie that literally just came in the theater that day. And I'm yeah, like, it doesn't work like rental. that. Yeah, now oh it does. God. So they were just very visionary. That's I know. Right. See, we were thinkers of the future. Right? Like, why can't exactly it come that. out right now? I have to wait six months. This is stupid. I know. Uh, it's crazy how yeah, things But I love that job. That was one of my favorite jobs. I feel like it probably would have been pretty cool. It was awesome. Did you get any, like, were you allowed to, like, take whatever movies for yes. free out of there? Hell yeah. Yeah. I'd have been all over <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. If you like movies, it's awesome. And I could talk to people about movies all yeah. day. They'd be like, have you watched so-and-so? <laughs> yep, I and sure you're have. like, I and did. I'm like, sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad you weren't there. you <laughs> be like, oh, but Jules Donut will explain it much better. <laughs> I probably would have came up to the counter and been like, have you seen this movie with Sandra Bullock? And you'd be like, it's awful. Yeah, like, I'm going to get it. <laughs> I'm getting two. <laughs> you don't know anything, video worker. <laughs> Oh my god. Um, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Tangent. Oh, you're good. <laughs> okay. Uh, one of the main executives that worked at this company, I'm throwing this in there. He's not mentioned a lot in the articles and stuff like that, but uh, Lou Pai, he's kind of like this mysterious <laughs> exec. Pai. Yeah, Pai. <laughs> he likes Pai. <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, the, the centerpiece of a female. Uh, <laughs> 
Oh my! We're, I didn't know we were working blue. <laughs> Um, some of the staff members kind of referred to him as the phantom exec, uh, cause he would just kind of pop in and pop out. So he, so was, he was smart. He's a, yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, the guy somehow got out of the 2001 scandal unscathed. Mm-hmm. He traded out all his stock right before everything went under. He a made, lot of them did that. Yes. And like he made billions of mil- dollars. Multi-million stock drops. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently what he was known for was spending a lot of the company's money on strippers. He had this thing for strippers. I don't know. Like they were literally showing him like going into the uh, strip clubs, like on a daily basis and spending the company money there. And apparently when he left the company in 2001, I guess his him and his wife were getting a divorce and Surpri- what and then there was uh, his favorite stripper was pregnant with his baby oh, and he right. got his billion dollars left and then invested in some property in colorado and uh never gets mentioned in any of the congress so hearings scot-free yeah, yeah. Wow. even though he helped tank one department into a loss of like billions of dollars so wow yes um all right so things start to get hairy right uh over like way over a decade people now have been working there at enron everybody thinks it's the greatest thing since sliced bread they're in but then they get like ask questions by reporters they can't <laughs> answer that's a red flag <laughs> Dude, uh, God bless investigative journalism. Right? Because without- like, but that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Wait. Well, I don't know the accounting part. <laughs> Can it's we like, get them back in here, please? <laughs> Can you explain this to her? Yeah. Because she's asking a lot of questions I don't know the answers to, and I don't want her to know. And them. they're pretty good questions, I guess. <laughs> I like how they make her seem like she's dumb, though. Like, oh, yeah. You like just she's don't an idiot. get it. You don't get it. It's like, you're not answering. <laughs> you're a female. You're a female. Right. Who can't relate to With that the vagina. One? Is it that time of the month? I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, brother. <laughs> yep. Um, so what was interesting, which basically helped lead to their demise, is that they were using uh, a new type of accounting Called Mark <laughs> called to Market. Pie in the Sky. <laughs> <laughs> Mark to Market, uh, which Skilling and Andrew Faster kind of came up with. Uh, and I had to look this up because I was like, okay, exactly what does this mean? So essentially what they were doing was um, coming up with unrealized future gains. So whenever they're getting ready to do a contract with a new company or vendor, uh, let's say that they're projecting, um, I don't know, $50 million in profits over a 10-year period. They were essentially uh, saying on their accounting books that they now had $50 right. I'm million. I'm booking dollars. it now. Yeah. Instead of... Uh, Why can't my checking account be <laughs> like that? <laughs> Why can't all of our checking accounts look like I that? I mean, you got to wonder... Was this guy like on LSD when he came up? Like, why can't we just do it now? I mean, and uh, you know, it's funny, but like, um, I worked on or for businesses where they start projecting out what they foresee is going to happen. So then you start spending, right? Right, and uh, who does 
doesn't everybody does yeah, that? Yeah, so it's kind of like a similar thing yeah. where you're expecting to but get But on a billion dollar level. Like a little more risk. National Lampoon's Christmas where he starts contracting <laughs> for the pool because he's expecting and his you bonus get this the year. jelly of the month. Club. <laughs> jelly of the month. Oops. Club. <laughs> and he loses his yeah. shit. That's kind of like this right here. Right. Um, so they basically were tracking uh, all of this so-called profit that didn't exist. Um, they were also using uh, companies like shell companies where they were transferring all the troubled assets so things like SPEs or special purpose entities. I'm not an expert again on this. Please Google it if you want additional <laughs> information. I'm going to try to do my best. Or do your own research. <laughs> <laughs> Trademark. Accountants and economist experts out there, please do not come for me. <laughs> don't at me. Yeah, don't, at, don't at us on Twitter, okay? Um so these on are tweeters. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Negativity rain, come for me. Um, so these are essentially limited partnerships created with outside parties. They're considered dump sites. Um, I know Andrew Fastow had actually created his own shell company where he was hiding some of these troubled assets in there. And then they essentially don't have to um, report any of this on any of their accounting books. So essentially they're cooking the books. Right. I don't know how else to explain it other than that. And he was that Fausto. He was du like double dipping. He was in charge of it and then like overseeing it or getting people to buy into his yep. or whatever. Mm -hmm. So he was not good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the. I think I also saw in Investopedia, they also call them SPVs, which are special purpose vehicles as well. They're still in use today. There are some companies that use them appropriately. I'm guessing that maybe Donald Trump might know about these. <laughs> He's got some SPVs out there. I mean, STVs. SPV. No, I mean, SPVs. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So in some of these shell companies or these SPVs, SPEs, Enron uh, was a parent company. And then they had a bunch of these children's shell companies just sitting out there. Um, that sort of thing with these uh, accounting loopholes that they had, of course, not tracking any of this on their balance sheets. Um, so all they were showing was astronomical profits right? never a loss never any losses Which right there is not normal i'm sorry uh, yeah 100 which is why that journalist came in and said i don't explain it to me like i'm five <laughs> can you can you help show me like how are you not reporting any sort of loss like, right I don't, it's just kind of It's crazy. just shocking that it took as long as it did for somebody to say like, hey, this doesn't make no sense. <laughs> yeah. And like, I know for the the project in India, um, you know, they had made this big contractor agreement with the country that they were going to start supplying them their energy. So they had started building this gigantic uh, state of the art facility out there. And the minute that they signed off on the deal, they had already started awarding all their top execs with million-dollar bonuses, yep. and they had not produced any profit. 
And around the time that they start managing energy for California, all of this stuff in India starts falling apart, um, which also exasperates the problem. They had so that uh, was kind of like the Genghis starting to fall. Yeah, over. basically, because that was like towards the end when they started doing that project. Um, they had some pipeline leaks, which caused deaths of employees. Right. The nitrogen or something. Yep, yeah. That were kind of just shrugged off like no big deal. It happens, um, which we'll get into that in a little bit here. Uh, but yeah, the journalist starts asking questions and is like, what's going on here? Um, and then other staff members start kind of raising their hand and saying, hey, this shit doesn't look right. right. Something's yeah. wrong. Um, I know they had hired like an accounting firm as internal auditors, but everything that I looked at made them seem like they were hanging out and just having barbecues and crap with all of the employees, like not doing their job. Yeah. Um, Cause I know some of them got in trouble. What? <laughs> uh, which also causes the S uh, this the Securities Exchange to also start looking at them, of course, which is that's their job. They're supposed to do that. Um, they start sniffing around and then <laughs> let the FBI know too, because California started investigating them as well. Is right? this the rolling blackout time? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because they had brokered that deal with the state of California to manage your energy and stuff like that. And they were doing the rolling blackouts. And they surge were pricing people. Surge pricing. People were standing out there. So like, this also reminded me of what happened in Texas during the storm. Yes. The one recently. Uh-huh. Yeah. And is that like a byproduct of all this or I what? feel like it's similar, right? Because uh, people Because were... basically they're surge pricing yep. their power just like they Enron just did in like California. Enron did. Correct. And so my question is, and I don't know the answer, and maybe you don't either, but um, do people have a say? Like, is that just if you want power, you have to agree to surge pricing? Or is it like, well, you can get it from someone else that just charges you a flat rate? Or th- is it just like, yeah, that's how it is, and you're screwed? <laughs> I think it might vary from state to state. Um, I know... Because who would sign up for that? <laughs> no. Well, listen. Uh... <laughs> yes? <laughs> I know... Um, I want to say, was it last voting cycle or the last or the voting cycle before? I can't remember. In Pierce County, they wanted to privatize... Um, I think the utilities, mm-hmm. um, again, don't come for me. I'm just trying to remember. <laughs> I'm just one little person <laughs> with a bad memory. <laughs> again, it's called old, dirty bitches, okay? We're getting we into... We can't a... be any clearer. <laughs> we're middle-aged. We're talking shit, okay? Um no, I want to say they were privatizing utilities or actually had put it on for a vote. So the citizens of the county were supposed to vote whether or not they wanted us to do that or still continue to be controlled by the local government. So essentially and? we said, no, we want the local government to control this. Yeah, so I, don't- I, I just don't see the the upside of privatizing that. Yeah, because then I think you run into and that. everybody should watch these shows. Yeah, uh, 
if they come to you and they keep preaching deregulation, deregulation, etc., hopefully you go back in time and look at what happened. Uh, well, let's just look at Miami and the deregulating of uh, building codes, for example. Oh, my God. And how great that's working out. I know. Like, I'm all for no bureaucracy or low, but you need people. I, it always cracks me when they say, well, we'll deregulate because companies will do the right thing. <laughs> no, they won't. They'll do what makes them money. Yeah. That's what they do. They uh, don't give an S about us. No. Um, Your collateral damage. Well, and we'll save this discussion as far as psychopaths go for another episode. <laughs> But because um, I want to kind of save it for uh, when we start talking about Bernie and his whole scandal. Um, but a lot of times these CEOs end up being sociopaths and psychopaths. Um, they're not like how Hollywood shows them where they're out stabbing a bazillion people or uh, doing crazy stuff. They just have stuff. no empathy. They have no empathy and they will take all of and your they're fucking power money. hungry. Yep. Hmm. They don't give a shit. Again, that reminds me of someone else, but... <laughs> I think uh, you Jello? have a delivery Jello, here. did you have? <laughs> no, son, I'm not hungry just right now. But try okay, it. just leave it there, please. It we're smells in, really good. We're like in the Is middle that of the podcast. Is that ramen? Mm-hmm. All right, I've made it. Yeah. It's good. Mm-hmm. Um, like shout out to leave. TikTok. Just one bite I'll leave. Just like try one bite. Oh my god. Try one bite. Okay. Uh, Look, it's this a, is like it's now like episode. it's like a cooking show too. <laughs> This yakisoba uh, This is, is the delicious. TikTok ramen we're sampling here, and it is quite delicious. I would say add some chicken to it, yeah, and uh, mushrooms and water chestnuts. That would be my <laughs> takeaway. Mm. My add-in. Okay, Isn't it good. It was pretty good yeah, actually. It's good. I bought that for him, and I want him to try it. So, all right, I appreciate it, Jello. Okay. Um, Jello shot. <laughs> shot, 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 shot. So, sorry. Uh, in 2001, they start getting heavily investigated. Um, it's yep. at this point. Jenga. Jenga. Yeah. <laughs> the stopping. tower was falling down. <laughs> Hard. So, is this the time when they do bankruptcy? Yeah, so in 2001, their stocks go from $90 to a dollar, and then down below a dollar. Yeah, like 60 cents or something? Yep, it keeps falling uh, during the year, Um, at which point during that year, when people are starting to sell the stocks off, because people are starting to see the writing on the wall. uh, Which the top people had already sold off millions, multi-millions of stocks, which should be not legal. Because they were selling all their stocks and then telling their employees to keep investing. Right. So that was really sad to me in the Enron movie when they took over PG&E or whatever. Was that in California? Yes. And the guy was like, oh, should we just invest our retirement into stocks? Oh, yeah, you should. I was like, you're disgusting. They were standing up in multiple meetings during that year and telling people everything's okay. Yeah. Keep investing. Totally lying, cashing in their money. Mm-hmm. And people, uh, you know, like during that year, there was kind of some upticks and then it would go down even further. So I think it kind of gave some people false hope. But that was because those employees and stuff 
we're still investing in the company and trying well, they're to- working. Like you're not looking at what's going on no. stock wise. You're doing your job, especially yeah. if you're like a lineman. Yeah, and I mean, for all those years, everything looks like apple pie. Right. And then you start finding and out. And they're telling you it's all great. And yeah. And make all this money. Totally yep. lying. Yeah. And it, all of it was bullshit. Um, so let's see. Uh, people's pension plans start getting wiped out. Right. Uh, so I actually wrote the, these little facts from the movie. Go ahead. Movie. Let's hear it. Um, when they filed for bankruptcy, 20,000 employees lost yep. their job, and the average severance was $4,500. Yes, which was covered by their insurance. Wow. Yes. And then the top execs took, or uh, they got $55 million. Mm-hmm. They kept, well, some of them uh, basically sold off their stock and then resigned their positions. And then they kept some of the executives on through the bankruptcy and continued to pay them millions of dollars. Right. So then in 2001, employees lost $12 million in retirement funds and they lost $2 billion, with a B in pension funds. Yep. While top execs cashed out $116 million in stock. Yep. Sickening. It's disgusting. Like, totally ruined people's lives. Yeah. I think I was reading one article because uh, I wanted to kind of see what some of the employees were doing now. Even, like, because it's been, like, 20 years. Yeah. Um, oh, it's been more than 20, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, 2000. Okay. Um, I was thinking 85. I know, it, feels, it feels like forever ago. <laughs> well, t- again, 2020 was like 20 years long. So. Yeah, it, true. You're right. So 40 <laughs> That's years. why we're old. Years ago. <laughs> um, no, like I had read where, um, so some people are close to retirement. And, of course, all of that was wiped out. If you were younger, like the newly hired college grads that came over, you're going to be able to move on and go somewhere mm-hmm. else, right? And and try to, like, recoup some of that stuff that you lost. Um, but I had read uh, in a couple instances where people had already retired from the company, and then this happened. So one guy was literally going out and mowing people's lawns yeah. to try to make ends meet. And he's supposed to be retired. Yeah. So I was like, uh, I don't know. I I hate it when people yeah, act just, like it makes you feel crime. gross. Yeah, like like that it's not that big a deal. But when you look at the amount of people that it affects, it's mm-hmm. insane. So um, yeah. So they're wiping out people's pensions. Uh, Skilling Jeffrey Skilling resigns on August fourteenth. What I basically took from Jeffrey Skilling was he was a risk taker, a gambler, uh, somebody who knew him before he came to Enron, a greedy, um, a dick, um, not good enough to probably lick the shit off my shoes. Um, Woo, it's getting hot in here. It is hot in here. What are you talking about? Um, No. One uh, employee that knew him before he came to Enron said he was a nerd. And when you see pictures of him before he, he gets there, nerd. yeah, he totally looks like somebody mm. who would be working at a library or something. And then you see when he gets to Enron, he's like this total like Wild West manly cowboy type dude. He's doing motocross, like 
motorcycle riding across the country, like all this crazy stuff. Uh, Ken Lay and his wife are philanthropists. They like donating a lot of the money. Um, you know, they were friends with the Bushes, both senior and mm-hmm. junior. They donated tons of money in Ron. Yeah. And Ken in Lay. that, um, in the documentary, uh, they were they recorded people that work for Enron. Yes. Did you see that? Yeah. And they were like, because at one point they thought that Ken Lay would be Secretary of Energy. Yep. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, Bush. Bush Jr., mm-hmm. who called him Kenny Boy. Because um, his wife called him that. That's where he got <laughs> him from. Whatever. Uh, yeah, because they were good friends. Yep. And he so was when I was watching it, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm glad Bush isn't around." <laughs> like I, uh, during some other people's presidencies, I was missing Bush. But <laughs> I was just getting ready to say that. <laughs> but then I watched this, and I was like, "No, yeah, that's." I just felt I remember, yeah. dirty watching this I know. and gross. Yeah, and even when uh, California was like screaming for federal help. Because when of what was happening. came in. Bush, yeah, when Arnold Schwarzenegger came in to try to help save everything. California. The Terminator. Um, they were asking the Bush administration to help them. And, and they were like, not our problem. Yep. Not our problem. So they wouldn't come out to help them. Um, okay, so Skilly resigns on August 14th. Kenny, Ken Lay, Kenny Boy, he comes out and announces that he's going to be the new, new CEO and actually holds his staff meeting on August 16th oh, to reassure everyone. You're We're going to talk about that shit in a minute. Because <laughs> that whole... Did you watch any of that? <laughs> yeah, it was in the documentary. Motherfucker. Yeah. I, just, he's dead now? Just... Yeah. And the heat coming off of me as i was watching this on youtube <laughs> i was like god um i mean knowing that what we know now yeah. i can only imagine being in that room and hearing that as an employee thinking is he is he on crack yeah and that kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> um so fast out was fired he basically right falls they on the tried sword. to put it on him they said it was him he was the one who was he, doing all the they bad accounting. We didn't know what he was doing. We didn't know what he was doing. We had no idea. No idea that he was moving all the money around. Just cashing those million, billion dollar <laughs> checks, baby. So in December of 2001, they filed bankruptcy. Ken Lay resigns like two days later, I think. Um, again, don't quote me on that. Uh, <laughs> don't I, at me. That's what we should don't call at this. Me. <laughs> don't at me, damn it. Um, so, uh, one of the investigators basically had said, I think, uh, or, uh, previous employer or something like that. Um, he basically said it's important to note that it took 18 years to build Crooked E and 24 days to wipe it out. That, for me, like, said everything. Yeah. Um, Enron dissolved itself, uh, as far as the stock market value goes, because all your numbers were basically what I had read from other, Mm. um, articles and stuff they wiped out 40 to 60 billion just that year so it was pretty crazy uh so both founder kenneth lay and former ceo jeffrey skilling were arrested in 2004 so i guess they finally got their shit together in the investigation and we're like we're ready to arrest you let's go um so they were both convicted of conspiracy to commit securities and wire fraud. Uh, Skilling faced 28 charges, including fraud, conspiracy, and insider trading on charges connected to various alleged schemes to fool investors into believing Enron was financially healthy. 
so that they yeah, could pocket from day millions. one they did that yep um so during this process uh before sentencing kinley actually dies from a heart attack which i guess was from all the stress and stuff that he had i <laughs> poor guy i did read let's that- have a moment of silence just kidding <laughs> Um, I read that right before they declared bankruptcy, he moved a million dollars from one of the accounts and then paid off uh, one of the homes that him and his wife owned. Yes. Yeah. I was like, and then one of them paid like, I might be, this might be wrong, but I thought they said like 24 million in his legal defense. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. They were dumping all kinds of money at this thing. So, like, what? Yeah. Um, It's, I mean, and then, of course, the judge dismissed the charges against Kinley after he passed away, which I kind of felt like we should still charge him, even though he's right. Um, Is he really dead, though? (laughs) I mean, for real, dude. We don't know. We don't know. I I know, dude. When you have enough money, you can make shit happen. He's hiding with, like, Elvis and Tupac. (laughs) They're all in Nevada. (laughs) Like, death becomes her. They took the (laughs) elixir, and now they had to, like, disappear. Yeah. So, Jeffrey Skilling was convicted in May of 2006 on 19 charges and acquitted of nine. So this is what I picked up on since then. In 2013, a federal judge reduced his 24-year prison term to 14 years, accepting an agreement between prosecutors and Skilling's lawyers to end years of appeals. Under the deal, more than $40 million of Skilling's fortune, which had been frozen since his conviction, was to be distributed to victims of the scheme. He was reportedly worth about $10 million after that. And I said, insert eye roll. I don't even know if that's true or not because I read that he had like some. He should have accounts. zero. Yeah, like he zero should have money. what he made in prison, and that is it. <laughs> Which was like a dollar. Yeah. Um, if he even worked, because according to is what he I club read, fed <laughs> like the country club prison, <laughs> the country club, like where Martha Stewart. Stayed. Yeah. Um. So Skilling was released from federal custody on February 2019. While he was in prison, from what I understand, um, he, he joined a gang. <laughs> <laughs> the CEO oh, executives oh gang. Um, no, he was he working joined on the Crookedies. The Crookedies. <laughs> <laughs> See, that was good. Yeah, he joined the Crookedies. Um, oh, he was working on his next energy uh, business plan. Of course. So since he's so, how come they say like, "Yeah, you're done there. You're not allowed." I so he's raising funds for a digital marketplace called Veld. Uh, before he got released, his wife incorporated it in 2018 in Texas and merged it with the company in Delaware. That's what yeah, I have read. Yeah, a lot of people have their company in Delaware for What's tax up with that? reasons. Oh, it's tax, of the taxes it's beneficial. Okay. I tax. saw that and I was like, I bet there's something with the taxes. A lot of, or... Even vendors here do that. Okay. Um, I guess uh, Mr. Pie, who loves pie, um, <laughs> he also invested in this new company that he's working on. Um, I did read that he had went to go pitch the company to several investors. One of them actually said no because of the whole Enron thing. 
Um, they just couldn't do it. And I was like, thank God. <laughs> um, right. Maybe yeah. Elon will do it. <laughs> he has money. Or Bezos. <laughs> Dicks in space. Dicks in space. Oh, my God. Um, let's see. So in a separate case, Lay was convicted in a non-jury trial by a U.S. District Judge Sim Lake on one count of bank fraud and three counts of making false statements to banks. Prosecutors alleged that he misled lenders of his intention to use $75 million in personal loans to carry or buy stock on margin. Each count carries a maximum penalty of 30 years in prison. However, Lay died of heart failure six weeks after the trial ended at the age of 64, prompting a federal judge to throw out his conviction. 64. Yeah. So when Andrew Fastow, 64. <laughs> uh, who fell on the sword originally and was, they were finger pointing at him and saying, hey, no, he's the guy. Fastow or yep, whatever. Fastow, yep. Uh, he actually um, came up with a plea agreement uh, so he was indicted in October 20 or 2002, excuse me, on what eventually grew to 98 counts of fraud, conspiracy, insider trading, money laundering, and some other charges. He pleaded guilty to two counts of, of conspiracy because he helped um, testify against the other executives. He admitted to orchestrating um, a slew of schemes to hide Enron debt and inflate profits while enriching himself with millions. He surrendered. Nearly $30 million in cash and property agreed to serve up to 10 years in prison. I think he only did six. Um, and then uh, once uh, prosecutors basically no longer needed his cooperation. And, of course, again, he testified against Lane, scaling some of the other execs. So uh, he was released in 2011. He actually travels across the country, around the nation, and talks about ethics. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> maybe bill cosby will talk about dating oh my god they'll be together <laughs> they could do a double feature they'll uh talk about no i don't even want to go there um all right <laughs> pie <laughs> pie uh andrew's wife leah fastow she was a former assistant treasurer and wife. Um, she actually quit Enron in 1997, but was implicated in some of what was going on. She pleaded guilty uh, first to a felony tax crime, admitted to helping hide ill-gotten gains from her husband's schemes, and then withdrew her plea and pleaded guilty again in May to a misdemeanor tax crime. So uh, her and her husband had worked out a deal, essentially, where they would go to prison at opposite times because they had kids. Uh-huh. So like that she could real be released. Yeah. Essentially, yeah, like that. So she could be released in 2005. Or uh, Lori Full yeah. House. Yeah. Person. Yep. Um, so essentially, they could take care of their kids. I wish we were all allowed those benefits right. when something happens yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, this is just going to make me mad. This podcast. <laughs> this podcast. Um, yeah. So I don't want to get too much into the morals and ethics of this. I kind of did want to talk a little bit about it because I think it's important because a lot of times these. Um, but they don't ever like none of these people have to pay restitution for these 
20,000 employees that lost their jobs. And yeah, all they had, I mean, they ended up having to pay. Here's $5. But yeah, basically. Yeah, I mean, when I mean, you look at the amount of people that needed to me, restitution. If it was, if I was one of those people, I would rather have my pension back than have them sitting in prison, club fed. Yeah. Yeah. Which, cooking up another energy scheme, scheme you to know? come out with. <laughs> I mean, Dang. like, what's really justice is my question, because that ain't it. I Sorry. know. Yeah, I, that's, this is where I say, like, they get off pretty easy. Totally. Considering, like, what they did and the damage that it caused. Right. And, like, no regard. Nope. Because uh, these people, like, like we said, if you were younger and you had started there, like, more closer to 2001, probably not out that much. Now, granted, I'm not saying that their loss wasn't as bad as or how it felt. Um, but if you were there and you were close to retirement or already retired, then I can't even imagine the yeah. effect it had on you. And I know several employees had testified uh, at Congress during the investigation and spoke to that. Um, some of them were in tears. Yeah. It was hard to watch it. Um, so... As far as criminology goes, when we talk about deviant behavior, well, you know, we examine a lot of things. Some of them are um, morals and ethics. A lot of these individuals that go to these um, universities, these fancy colleges and stuff, they get taught an ethics class, which is essentially supposed to let them know, like, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ruin someone's life. That's bad. <laughs> Yeah, essentially, like, what, you know, like... But can you teach ethics to someone who doesn't have a soul? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a that, conscience? Like, I don't think you can. Spawn? I'm not sure. Because if you don't feel guilt, then why have ethics? You don't? Yeah, you probably... Or you have your own form of ethics and morals. And, and a lot of people... I'm going to clarify it and going to geek out a little bit. This is nerdy. <laughs> go, girl. Ner nerdy JD. Um, so a lot of people get morals and ethics a little bit confused. They think they're both the same. Morals is more about the value aspect of it, um, you know, like your belief system. Mm -hmm. And then ethics is actually about the behavior, uh, how that aligns with your morals, your mm -hmm. values, your belief system, mm -hmm. and what you eventually do. So... Uh, you may, um, uh, in this case, you may feel that stealing from people is bad, yet you hid uh, all this money um, or, you know, troubled assets and reported false profits, thereby imploding your company and wiping out everybody's money and any profit. That's stealing. So they're in conflict with each other now. So a lot of times criminologists look at that and they say, what causes that behavior? Right. Why would so somebody do that? In uh, in the documentary, they talked about that um, psychological experiment, which now escapes me. Do you know what I'm talking about? The shocking one oh. where you think you're shocking someone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they yeah. said it was very, their thought process was very similar to yeah. people in that. I'm trying to think of uh, the scientist who did that. Munson? Um, oh, crap. Let me look it up. Yeah, check it out. I'll but, talk through this a little bit. So that, 
I get it. Yeah. Uh, like when we look, there's tons of ethical theories out there. Um, two of the, f- the major ones that they discuss are uh, utilitarianism which is more of a materialistic based. It describes good or bad, um, depending upon the amount or degree of pleasure and or pain that it'll produce. Milgram, yes. Milgram, that's who it was. So you have the M right. So it was um, Milgram experiments on obedience to authority figures. Yes. Yeah, correct. And yeah. And they said it was very similar to that. So basically, as long as like an authority person was telling you, you need to do this, do it. They did it. Even yeah. knowing it was wrong. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of think so. Like talking about the utilitarianism. If you're looking at it from the materialistic and how much good is going to come out of what I do. So thinking of Enron, right? There were a lot of people making money. Uh-huh. So you kind of get on board, even though something's not jiving with your belief system or your morals. And then you... S- well, and you know, like, um, charismatic people yeah, can 100%. make you act ways you wouldn't normally mm-hmm. do. I mean, it's back to the cult mentality. Yeah, or you get in a group Everybody's doing it. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, well, I don't want to be the odd man out. You know, kind of like a sheep. Standing up for no reason. Yeah, like like in the lobby. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, I always think of that. In conclusion, everyone, people (laughs) suck. (laughs) And uh, we don't think for ourselves. Uh, And thanks for listening. Uh, sometimes, yeah. Um, you know, there's another theory that has to do with the duty of being ethical. Your duty? Yeah, not my poop. I know. <laughs> I don't call it that. I don't anyway. think. Uh, well, I don't. I don't want to say that. I don't think anybody did this because there were some people that were trying to speak up, and Ken Lay either fired or Jeffrey Skilling, one of them, one of them. would fire them. Or move them to a different department so they would shut up mm, and get the hint. That sounds familiar. Um, so too. there, yeah, there <laughs> were some people that kind of stood up and were like, "Hey, this isn't right," um, but nobody was listening to them mm-hmm. because we went back to the materialistic view. Well, I'm making a lot of money. You know, my family's doing good. We're don't rock the boat. Thing. We know don't that. rock the boat. That we don't want to do that. Yeah. So if you have a culture where that's okay or accepted, mm-hmm. then you're gonna go along with it, right? So um, I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about that because we'll probably talk more about ethics later and all that. But I still think you can teach someone about ethics. But if you're lacking empathy and you're like a sociopath putting ethics into action, I think it would be hard for you to like explain to yourself why. Yeah. Why? It doesn't serve me. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are. Yeah. So uh, when we look at ethics and um, behavior, sometimes we'll look at the individualistic aspects. So there's a theory out there for that. And um, it kind of goes into uh, the American dream, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, white picket fence. Quotes. <laughs> <laughs> you air can't quotes. see it, but she's yeah, air that's quoting. True. You can't see me, but I did the air quotes. 
Um, you know, white picket fence, well-paying job. We've got a nice car, um, socioeconomically, we're doing really well off, that kind of thing. Um, and I could go on about some other theories about like strain. Uh, you know, if, if you've got so many limited resources, not everybody can accomplish it. Well, now we start turning to illegitimate means to do that. Now that we're talking about millions for Enron, but you know, if you're somebody, mm-hmm. uh, well, and this was easy, fast money. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. I no mean, different be... from selling crack cocaine right. during that epidemic. Right. Um, but primarily these people aren't of the dark and dark skin persuasion. Yeah. They're, so that's yes, another that's true. That's, that's another, another topic. I know. What a downer. I'm not <laughs> listening to this. Everybody's like, Woo-hoo. The movie ones are gonna be great. So just hold, hold on. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just think that they probably, you know, the everyday Joe Smo that was walking in there. Um, you know, wants a piece of the pie. But they picked specific they types of people. People yeah. that were going to go along with the group. Mm-hmm. And people that were disposable and could be thrown under the bus. Yep. Yeah. That was basically their business model. Yep. So it was horrible. Uh, I don't necessarily feel like everybody got justice in this situation. Sh- no. Um, I do want to talk about the YouTube video of the staff meeting. We'll do a part oh. two and go over that because um, we're just at a little bit over an hour. Oh, look yeah. at us. Well, we did have a little tangent with Bill Cosby and some We'd, ramen, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I feel good about this. A snack, yeah. Um, so uh, that concludes this part one of Enron. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, in part two uh a little bit about Cliff Baxter. I feel like he deserves um, some discussion because of what ended up happening to him, not absolving him of any guilt. And then also go over uh, a Ken Lay's staff meeting. I think that's super mm. important. Um, that happened uh, with the, the employees. And I think um, that probably resonated for some people for years. Totally. Based off of what he, he said to them in that meeting. So having said that. Uh, we're going to um, end on a cliffhanger, everybody. <laughs> but this will give you time to go watch the smartest men in the room yeah please go watch that it's actually a really well done documentary um again uh and no shade if you don't know anything about enron because i didn't i didn't know a thing yeah uh it's good to go watch it it kind of teaches you a little bit about history where we come from um why the federal government put some of those regulations in place that have been slowly rolled back for some of these industries. We're watching it happen. Um, and it's it's good information to know as a voter, a citizen, yep. um, just a person living everyday life, because some of this can affect you. As uh, my friend uh, Patty Popcorn mentioned, <laughs> um, Texas just had a similar incident happen when they had that huge ice storm come through. When Ted Cruz went to Cancun. <laughs> In case you don't remember. <laughs> Excuse me. He was going to go drop off his family. And uh, his right daughters back. told him to go there. Okay. Oh it wasn't his idea. Yeah, whatever. He's totally. <laughs> He's he was so going out there gross. to suntan. He's full of it. All right. So if you like us, please like and subscribe. <laughs> like and subscribe. We're trying to get our goal is like a thousand listeners, at least like a fan base. Of we a only have like 10 friends. So. <laughs> 
between the both of us. I'm happy if it's over 10. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, we hope you enjoyed part one of Enron, the Crooked E. And Um, do the right thing, okay, everyone? Let's let's really bring up our game out there. I know. Please please improve your ethical behavior. (laughs) You have morals, okay? Use them. Make your mama proud. Do unto others as you would do unto yourself. Exactly. All right. See y'all later. See you on the other side. Bye. Bye.